0: Hello, my name is Tapio Museba, and this is the Commercial Awareness Podcast. First, some headlines. Thomas Cook's chief exec, Peter Fankhauser, has said that the failure of the UK government to back a rescue deal led to the company's collapse. Ashurst has followed in the footsteps of Allen & Overy, Slaughter & May, and Adelshaw Goddard by setting up an accelerator program for fintech companies. The New York Law School has partnered with the Interfaith Center of New York to give students and attorneys a basis in religion so they can better represent clients of faith. The IMF has said that global growth is set to fall to its slowest rate this year since the global financial crisis of 2009. According to a six month investigation by Legal Week, Jones Day's London office suffers a, quote, endemic culture of sexual inappropriateness, end quote, and has a structure that makes it difficult to raise complaints, citing 10 people who used to work at the office. And finally, in deals, Slaughter and May and Kirkland and Ellis have been involved in a multi-billion pound buyout of a cybersecurity company by a PE firm, while White and Case, Freshfields, and Mayor Brown have all taken lead mandate roles in oil and gas acquisitions. Links to the stories in the description. Now, the longer reads. The first being that Domino's Pizza is pulling out of four markets entirely as a result of increasing losses. After a six-week review of the company's operations, Domino's Pizza, a subsidiary of Domino's US, has decided to sell 115 of its shops and leave Iceland, Norway, Sweden, and Switzerland. The company will still have 1,172 stores in the UK and Ireland, And a minority shareholding in Germany. The decline in sales in those markets has been attributed to a number of things, but most peculiarly for Iceland, a decline in pizza-loving tourists. The company also has its own issues in the UK, with franchisees wanting a larger share of the profits and also facing stockpiling of ingredients before the 31st of October. Domino's has in part been lauded for its exit well before the stores became insolvent, And it has been seen as an expected exit as a result of, in part, difficulties in expensive labor and different local consumer dynamics, according to Rachel Fox, an equity analyst. This story reminds us about the importance of context. As a university student in the UK, I am sure you know quite a bit about Domino's as a result of their marketing to first-year students and also a cultural appreciation of pizza in the UK and Ireland. However, the reliance on tourist growth in a country to make a business successful shows us that the consumer context in the Nordic countries and Switzerland is different to that of the UK. It means that this must be an important consideration when looking to expand, in asking whether the needs and wants of the consumer is the same as the successful market. Furthermore, in an assessment centre, you are sometimes presented with a case study about a company looking to expand, and this story shows that some of the less thought about aspects of a brand expanding, and that is, once again, context in that new market. Always something to consider, especially now that you have a real-life example. Credit for this story goes to Julia Kalewe. Next, it has really been a while since we've just reported on a plain acquisition, and it's time. WH Smith is acquiring American Marshall Retail Group for £312 million. This acquisition will double its international travel business and strengthen its presence in the US airport market. It's also done as a way to sidestep the high street slowdown in the UK. The acquisition will be financed through a £155 million equity placing and a £200 million term loan facility, and completion is expected in the first quarter of 2020. That term loan will require debt restructuring, as they have a loan of £140 million that now needs to be increased to £200 million. I mentioned all of that to simply highlight once again where the lawyers can exist in an acquisition. Yes, they'll be there for all the stages of a transaction, but a client may also choose to use different lawyers and advisors to plan the equity placing, and different lawyers who may be debt finance experts in the restructuring loan facilities. The shareholders of both companies may also need their own advisors, depending on how the companies are governed and the structure of the transaction. Also, in a time of M&A and retail slowdown and the looming October 31 cliff edge, it is positive news to see a cross-border retail acquisition by a UK-registered company. Kirkland and Ellis are advising the target company, Marshall Retail Group, and for now there is no information on the firms advising WH Smith. Credit for this story goes to Sarah Poven and Jason Holland. Finally, let's talk about Hong Kong, China, NBA, Apple, and Dior. So to begin, I assume you know something about the protests in Hong Kong. I will not discuss the details of the protests or the merits, but instead focusing on the corporate casualties that have come as a result of them and what we can learn from them. So the first corporate casualty and probably the most high profile was the NBA. The general manager of the Houston Rockets tweeted support of the protesters during a time when NBA teams were in China to play preseason games. This support led to Chinese broadcasters refusing to air the NBA games and a fracturing of the business relationship that normally made $4 billion for the association annually. Though the owner of the Rockets said that the general manager does not speak for the organization and the general manager even apologized for his tweet, the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, has said that, quote, the losses have already been substantial, end quote. The apologetic statement by the NBA Communications exec VP also read very differently in China compared to the rest of the world. In the USA, the statement read, quote, we recognize that the views expressed by Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. While Daryl has made it clear that his tweet does not represent the Rockets or the NBA, the values of the league support individuals educating themselves and sharing their views on matters important to them. We have great respect for the history and culture of China and hope that sports and the NBA can be used as a unifying force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. Meanwhile, in China, the statement published on Weibo read, We feel greatly disappointed at Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey's inappropriate speech, which is regrettable. Without a doubt, he has deeply offended many Chinese basketball fans. Morey has clarified that his stance on this issue does not represent either Houston Rockets or the NBA. From NBA's perspective, people can be interested in different subjects and freely share their opinions. We take respecting Chinese history and culture as a serious matter. We also hope that sports in the NBA, as a unified source of positive energy, can continue to build bridges between countries and bring people together. As a result of all of this, Alistair Gray of the Financial Times has even written about whether this controversy would bleed into losses for Nike, a main sponsor of the NBA and high profile NBA players. Next, we look to Apple, where CEO Tim Cook met the chief of China's market regulation this past week to assumedly apologize for hosting an app. That protesters used during the protests on the App Store. This app was called hkmap.live, and it allowed protesters to track the movements of police in real time, and was removed once Chinese state media criticized Apple for making it available to download. The App Store also removed news app Quartz from the Hong Kong App Store over its coverage of the protests. Next, Christian Dior had to apologize after an employee showed a map of China without Taiwan, accused of not respecting Chinese territorial claims, and as part of their apology, Dior wrote, quote, Dior has always respected and upheld the principle of one China, strictly upholding China's rights and complete sovereignty, treasuring the feelings of Chinese citizens. So, how do we frame all of this? First of all, companies are not traditionally involved in politics. It is nothing new that some employees can be fired for the things they post, but at least in the NBA's case, Commissioner Adam Silver has once again reiterated that freedom of expression is one of their values. But all of these stories present an interesting turning point for international companies and these values. We've spoken about the socially responsible company through the lens of forced arbitration, for example. But this is the most high-profile instance of witnessing the trade-offs a company faces as it chases global success. Many critics have called the stances these companies have taken as... Quote, kowtowing, end quote, and have witnessed these moments as the beginning of the end of the, quote, diplomatic dance, end quote, many of these companies perform to be profitable across the world. In short, we may be facing a revolution on what the modern-day company is. That is why this is important, at least from a commercial awareness perspective. U.S. government officials have criticized these companies for their reactions, as have Western consumers And whether that translates into losses in both China and in home markets will leave these companies with tough decisions to make, such as choosing values over profit. In the same way we spoke about mandatory arbitration making perfect sense on paper from an employment law perspective, but holistically requiring more thought and reflection, we may begin to find companies making similar decisions about markets they enter and actions they take, all in the context of the advice of their lawyers. We've already gotten the spiel of the environmentally ethical company, or the company that really cares about its employees, and this is seemingly the next frontier, the company that wants its values to be reflected wherever it does business. Credit goes to Jonah Blank, Jeff Zilgit, Yuan Young, and Patrick McGee. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe and you'll hear from me next week.